Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Good morning, Simple Church. With an intro video like that, I feel like I should be wearing guy liner and all black. Anybody else feeling that vibe? I felt like, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should change my look. You guys think? All right. Hey, welcome to Simple Church. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to say thank you so much for being with us this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, very excited to have you guys here today. It's a very, very uh, important day, a lot going on, and I'm going to jump into that. But first, I want to take a moment and greet our guests and say, hey, if it's your very first time here, or maybe you've been hanging out with us for, for a few months, weeks, uh, maybe it's been a few years and you've never taken an opportunity to fill out a Connect card, I want to encourage you to do that. They're in the seat backs in front of you. Uh, if you'll take a moment and fill out the Connect card during service today, uh, if you'll take it right over here to, to the Connect Center after service is over today, I'll be there uh, as well as some members of my team. We have a gift we would just love to give you uh, that you get for simply filling out the card. So please take a few moments to do that during service today. Uh, if you're, if you can also use those cards on the other side of them, there's a, a section for you to take notes. We believe that when we show up here on Sunday mornings, that God is going to be speaking to us, and so uh, we like to take notes. Amen, everybody. We, we we're note taking church, believing that God has something for us today. So uh, feel free to, to use those for the notes, or use them for uh, the connect card, or if you got prayer requests or just want more information about how to become part of what we're doing here, we'd love to share that with you. A couple things that are happening. Uh, here at Simple Church. First, I want to let you know, I know a lot of kids have just uh, graduated. School is over. How many parents have kids that are out of school now? Any parents excited about that? Oh, look, all the hands went away. No, I'm just, I'm just, just kidding. Teachers are excited. That's right. Uh, but one of the things that we want to share with you is that we have a student ministry here that meets on Sunday nights. And uh, the Ignite team wanted to let you know that your that move update, in other words, uh, our kids' ministry ends at fifth grade, and sixth grade is when you can take your kids to the student ministry uh, called Ignite, and that happens, uh, move update happens actually in August. So your fifth graders can continue to go to kids' ministry until uh, that date happens in August. All right, if you have any questions about that, you can stop by and ask them at the Connect Center. Also want to share with you, first Wednesday is this Wednesday night. Uh, we do this once a month where we take an hour of our time to invest in our leadership. Everybody is leaders here in this room, whether you hold a leadership position within the church or on your job uh, or in your home, wh wherever that might be in your community, everybody has influence. And because we believe you can grow that influence, we set up a time to help you do that, right? And so we give you a biblical-based perspective on how you can do that on the job. Even when you're not the boss, you can still be a person of influence. Amen, everybody? Amen. So first Wednesday, it's the first Wednesday of every month. That's this Wednesday. We have prayer every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. here in the building. But some other really cool stuff that's going on is um, <coughs> we actually have a 4th of July parade coming up. Uh, the city does it, and we are going to be participating with them. And uh, hey, Derek, can I get you to get me a bottle of water? I forgot to grab one. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. And we're going to be participating with the 4th of July parade. 
Signups are now available for you to be a parade walker to give away. We have 60 bikes so far to give away, brand new bikes to give away in the parade. That is almost double what we did last year. And uh, so more opportunities to talk about that are coming up. But you can sign up now to be a parade walker. You can get, uh, serve, serve water at the water station at the end of the parade. Or you can help us decorate. So those signups are available. And then today launches our grow groups. Anybody excited about that? <coughs> groups are definitely the place where my life was transformed. And uh, I want to encourage you to get into a group. Uh, the summer season only goes six weeks, and I understand that there are 12 of them to choose from. Now, you can step out into the lobby, and there's a, st a station out in the lobby for you to uh, sign up for grow groups. Now, if you want to wait until next week, you have two weeks to sign up. You can actually sign up on our app at any time, uh, but you, if you want to wait until next week to try to sign up, uh, then, then it's Hunger Games for you, and may the odds ever be in your favor because those spots fill up really, really fast. So I just want to encourage you to uh, get into a group. Thank you, Derek. See, this is what I'm talking about, the all-goth black thing. That's what I just <laughs> should have done right there. Now, outside of that, we've got a message to get to. But before we do, I'm very excited about something that's happening right here in our city. Um, it's, uh, it's something called LifeWise Academy. And what LifeWise Academy is doing here, uh, not just in Reynoldsburg, but clear across the state of Ohio and even further, is that right? Across the nation, yeah. There is a legal loophole that exists that allows the gospel to be taught in our school system. And LifeWise is exploiting that loophole. And I want to say, and he's going to tell you more about it, but I want to say some across the state of Ohio, 16,000 students are currently being discipled and taught scripture on a regular basis in, while they're in school, guys. And so, <clears throat> so I have a, a friend here to talk to you about it. We're going to watch a video in just a second, and then he's going to come and share more. But I just want to tell you something about Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave has been in ministry right here in Reynoldsburg for more than 40 years. And uh, he's here today with his wife, uh, Roxanne, and Roxanne, not Anna, Roxanne. Yeah, got it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he's going to share with you a little bit more, but... Uh, but he's been a good friend of mine. He has been a, a great encourager, especially in difficult seasons. And you all have walked with us. You know what those seasons have been. And, uh, and a good, good mentor as well. He continues, even though he's retired, to be a police, uh, the, the, the chaplain, the head of the police chaplaincy here in Reynoldsburg. And uh, he's answering the call to pioneer LifeWise Academy and work with him as well and spearhead that here and uh, in our city. And I just am so thankful that he's here. We're going to watch a video, and then he's going to be right here. So when he comes up, make sure you greet him well. Let's take a look at this video. My son is in the second grade at our local public school, and somehow he gets to attend a Bible class during the school day. The Supreme Court has spoken. Public school students can receive Bible education during school hours. I know it sounds crazy, but it's real. Almost everyone has heard of the separation of church and state, but almost no one knows that in 1952, the Supreme Court ruled that public school students can be released from school in the middle of the school day to receive Bible education as long as the program is off school property, privately funded, and they have parental permission. LifeWise Academy believes this is the single greatest missed opportunity of the American church to reach the next generation. 
LifeWise Academy exists to provide all the plug and play tools to communities like yours to launch a local program. Not only is the concept possible, but it's spreading rapidly and students' lives are being changed. We are seeing some of our programs have a participation rate of more than 95% of their local public school students. Most of these students are completely unfamiliar with the basic Bible stories. I was in one class recently where the teacher asked if anyone knew the names of Jesus' parents. And in a class of 20 public school students, not a single one knew that Joseph and Mary were the names of Jesus' parents. But all of those students are now being taught the Bible. I have seen my own children testify. They've seen their classmates changed. Kids need to be affirmed. They need sports. But more than anything, they need to hear the gospel. There are people in our backyard who have never heard the name of Jesus. I don't know about any other organizations that are doing anything like this. We wouldn't be able to discuss these things with them if not for doing it right in the middle of the school day. The law allows us to do it, so why not do it? What could be more important than the next generation learning the Word of God? And why not have a Bible education program for your public school students? Anyone in any community can get the ball rolling. Voice your support for a Bible education program for your local school at lifewiseacademy.org. Come on, please welcome Pastor Davis. He comes and shares a little bit about LifeWise Academy. Wow, man, that is a good video. We're on here, one, two. Here we go. Great video. Thank you, Aaron, for allowing me to be here. You, you guys are, you're blessed, man. I'm telling you, every time I pull up here, I just see this building, see what God's doing. This is awesome. Thank you for letting me be here. Just a couple quick minutes, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Aaron. But I've been with LifeWise, working with them about a year now, and they are bringing the Bible back into the public school curriculum during the school day as an elective. It's happening right now, and it is legal. This is legal. They're using that law from the 1950s. You might want to become familiar with it. It's uh, release time for religious instruction, RTRI. This is a law passed by Congress, upheld by the United States Supreme Court, and it allows the Bible to be taught during the school day, not before, not after as a club. This is part of the curriculum. has to be an elective, has to be off campus, got to be privately funded, so there's some challenges. It is currently being done right now, this school year, Whitehall. It's in Whitehall. I've been to their class. It's phenomenal. It's in New Albany. It's scheduled to start in Hilliard, Westerville, Upper Arlington, uh, everywhere. It's happening everywhere. Oh, oh, they're, they're expected to hit 30 to 50,000 students in the next school coming up, this next school year, 2022 in the fall. It's amazing. This is amazing. Most of the kids that are attending, this is, this, th these are unchurched children, primarily going after elementary. Once we get all of those, then it'll be middle, junior high, high school, but it's primarily elementary. Started as a small project about four years ago up in Van Wert, Ohio. It grew so rapidly, they began to realize this is a ministry for the state of Ohio. It has exponentially grown. It's in about 12 states, or they're starting to launch it in about 12 states it is now what they're referring to and what I'm referring to as a movement. Let me just tell you something. A movement is a big deal. 
I was part of a movement 40 plus years ago. Many of you might have heard of it, the Jesus People Movement. 100,000 young people were brought into the kingdom as a result. Swept this country. Thousands of churches were started. Thousands of pastors came out of that. I'm a result of that. Our church is a result of that. It's a movement. It was a movement. We're seeing a movement right now. I tell you prophetically, this is a movement that's going to sweep this country, and we're going to bring some change. So real quickly, I'm working with Reynoldsburg. Man, we got, we got a lot of work ahead of us. I've got uh, two churches right now that are offering to host the class right across the street from the schools, Slate Ridge. Uh, Faith United is right across the street. Crosswalk Church is right across the street from Rose Hill. But here's the deal. I'm here today. I really need your help. I really, you can help me get this in the school program. What I have outside, you'll see it. We've got these little forms here. If you would sign this form, we're collecting, a, we're building a community interest list. This, we got almost 500 names on this list. We're getting ready to present it to the Board of Education. We've already met with each one of them. We've had meetings with them. We're waiting for a vote, hopefully by the end of the summer, but we want 1,000 signatures on here. The signature, if you would sign this, all you are saying is, yes, I think this is a good idea. The Bible should be taught in the public schools as part of the curriculum. Anybody here think that might be a good idea? Anybody here? Come on, does the public school need a little help? Man. So, please, afterward, please come to the table. You can do it the old-fashioned way, which means sign on a piece of paper with a pen. And I know this church is really cool. We got the QR code, Coach. We got, okay. You can QR code to the website. Please help us. And also, we're going to need volunteers, all kinds of volunteers. We're scheduling to start fall of 2023, and uh, we got to build a whole program. So I, I need signatures. I need volunteers. I need prayer warriors. We're going to start collecting money. We got to pay for this. It's a major, major event. But let me just finish with this. I believe this is what we have been praying for since prayer was kicked out of the schools in 73. It was kicked out of the schools. We're bringing it back for real. It's awesome, man. Thank you. It's all yours. See you after the service. And Pastor Dave, just, just a quick question. If, if they don't live in Reynoldsburg, because we do have people that travel, yes, yes. what should they do? Okay, very good. Yes, you don't have to live in Reynoldsburg to sign this. If you work in Reynoldsburg, you attend church here, this is in Reynoldsburg, or you live in Reynoldsburg, any of those three, work, attend church, or live here, you can fill this out, you put Reynoldsburg schools, we can use that signature. It means, it means you're invested in Reynoldsburg, so that's right. Great Perfect. question. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you can just give it right here to my wife, and she'll take care of that for you. All right, one more last round of applause for him. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for being here. He'll be in the lobby at the LifeWise table. And we'd love to meet you and tell you more, but please sign the petition. That's the biggest work right now is letting our community know we want this here. And your, your, um, your Herbie Hancock can matter. <laughs> or John Hancock can matter, right? Yeah, John. It's, yeah, it's not Herbie. Herbie, Herbie is a trumpet player, I think. I'm not sure. Well... So today we are going to wrap up this series um, called Baited, and um, I don't know about you, but, but my prayer for you as we've walked through this is, is that, uh, that, that you would see that there is life 
There is health, there is hope, there is joy on the other side of the difficult work of forgiveness, of, of choosing to live a life free of offense. And that's what we've been talking about the last five weeks. In fact, in fact Jesus said this. He said that offenses will come. You know, there's really nothing we can do about that, right? There's nothing we can do to stop it. There's nothing we can do to change that. That is the situation as it stands. Offenses are going to come. And when they do come, the truth about your station in life is that it will change. You will be changed when offenses come. You'll be changed either because you chose to held or to hold offense and to become embittered and ultimately toxic to the people around you, or you'll be changed because you chose to embrace God's grace and forgive. You will be changed one way or another. And Satan will use this trap of offense to keep us from God's best for us. Because if he can keep you offended, he can keep you out of right relationships, he can keep you out of church, he can keep you out of living up to your purpose and your potential uh, in, in serving the Lord and making a difference. He will absolutely do that. He would rather you be angry, bitter, and isolated by yourself because then you can't make a difference. Because, you know, you can make a difference by yourself, but we make a way bigger difference when we are together, right? But the intention of offense is to keep you out of relationship, to keep you buried by your walls. But no matter how the offense comes, no matter what happens that causes it, it must be dealt with. And forgiveness is the only way. Now, forgiveness does not mean, I'm just reviewing real quick, forgiveness does not mean that what happened to you was okay. When you choose to forgive someone and you step into that space, it doesn't mean that what they did to you was okay. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have any pain from what they did to you. It doesn't mean that they should get away with it and that there's no consequences. No, that's not what it means. Forgiveness is a choice that you make. I like how Corey Tin Boom said it last week. I read that quote. She said, it was the will of the mind. It's a choice that you make. And when you make that choice, you are choosing to cancel the debt that they owe you. Because when somebody offends you, you feel like they owe you something to make it up, right? They, they owe you, they've got to do A, B, and C before you're going to be okay with what happens. Or maybe you feel like they need that kind of punishment or that kind of corrective action before you're going to be okay with them. But forgiveness cancels the debt that they owe you. It is us putting ourselves in a position to trust God that he will be just, that will, he will be who he says he is, that vengeance is his. And we put ourselves, we put that situation, we put that person in God's hands and say, we are trusting that you will take care of this. We're going to cancel the debt as far as we are concerned. We will live in peace and trust that you'll do it. Now, as much as, as we've discovered on this journey the last five weeks that forgiveness is a choice, it's also very, very clear in Scripture that for Christians, it is a requirement that you forgive. It's what we talked about last week. Jesus even saying multiple times, I showed it to you five times in Scripture, okay? Not just once, so it's not misconstrued. It's not an idea. It's not a good idea. It's not a, it's not a ah, maybe you should consider this. No, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. It's black and white, crystal clear. That forgiveness for the Christ follower is not optional. And I know that ruffles our feathers because we want, we're, we're, taught, we're taught to fight the system. We're taught that we're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. We're not going to take it. This is you. Yeah, right? We're taught to fight. 
we're, we're taught that, that authority doesn't mean what authority says. We're taught that, well, that's a, that, that what authority is saying, they're not actually authoritative, that sometimes authorities lie. But Scripture does not. Jesus does not. He said, forgive or you will not be forgiven. It's not optional. It's not something you consider. It's an expectation, especially because you and I have been forgiven an unpayable debt, that each and every one of us has a debt. The moment we sin, the very first time that we sin, we had a debt that we could not pay back to God, and God, through Jesus, through the work that he did on the cross, forgave us our unpayable debt. The only way for us to pay our debt back was to spend it in eternal separation from God. That's what we call hell, by the way. That's, that's literally what it is. For us to pay back that debt, that's what it would cost us. But God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins so we could be forgiven. So we must choose to forgive others of their debts to us. Today, I want to talk about one more thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation is a whole different thing. See, forgiveness happens between you and God. It can happen with you by yourself. That I am choosing to forgive them of the thing that they offended me. And that person never needs to necessarily know that that's the case. But if you want to pursue reconciliation so that there's peace between the two of you again, well, then there's some work to be done. There's some work to be done. Because for many of us, we'll forgive the person, but we're not going to put them back into a position in our lives where there's peace. We forgive them, but we keep them at arm's length, right? We, it's a never again. And I believe that, there, that today I'm going to show you this biblical evidence for us to be called to not only forgive, but to reconcile. To reconcile. Most of us, when we think about reconciliation, we don't, we don't understand what that even means. It means to bring the balance to zero. And that balance must be brought to zero on both sides of the account. Both sides. It has to be done. Oftentimes, I think we, when we think of, of reconciliation, what we think of is more of conflict resolution. Conflict resolution is not reconciliation. Conflict resolution, we show up at a table with our heels dug into the ground. We're gonna, this is our land, and we've taken it, and this is what we want out of the deal. You're going to give me this. I'm going to give you that. We're going to make some compromises. We're not going to be happy about it, but the conflict's going to be resolved. That's conflict resolution. Reconciliation shows up at the table and says, your debt's been canceled. Now you cancel mine. That I don't need you to give me anything, and you don't need me, me, you don't need me to give you anything for us to be forgiven, for the balance to be zero. There's no placing of blame. There's just clearing the columns, wiping that debt clean. And reconciliation takes both parties being willing to forgive and to do that completely. Reconciliation restores peace, brings unity, and my goodness, if you want to experience the power of God in a way that you've never experienced it before, be someone who pursues reconciliation. I know it sounds like work. I know that that's not anything we like in particular. It's easier to not do this. It's easier to block them on Facebook and cut them out of your life and to change your phone number. It's easier to move. It's, it's easier. <laughs> All those feel like work to me. But this would be work. You're going to work one way or the other. Choose your work. 
Choose your hard. Cutting people out of your life is hard. Reconciliation's hard. Both are hard. One comes with the power of God and an experience unlike anything else. It's worth it. You say, Aaron, why would we pursue reconciliation? It's simple. So God is glorified. What does that mean? Oh, it means when people see the way that you act, the way that you love one another, the way that you interact with, with one another, when they see that, they want it. See, that's, that's when God is glorified. When people see the way that you love one another, when you choose to be somebody who pursues reconciliation, the way that God is working in you and through you and for you, people will want it. And God is glorified. Philippians 1, 9 through 11 says this, and this is Paul. He says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, who is the you in, the, in, this, in this verse? It says, it says, your love that you may approve, that you may be sincere. Who's the you he's talking to? What's the church? Paul's writing to a church at Philippi, to all, to all the people. He's saying, I hope it's you, that you would choose to live a life without offense. And that in doing so, this is what will glorify God. Being reconcilers. He knows that we're commanded to forgive. He gets that. But how do we get there? How do we get to a place where we are, are, are people that pursue living a life free of offense? How do we become people who reconcile? Well, we need a plan. Everything that you want to be successful in your life requires some intentionality and a plan. Think about, about the, the movie Star Wars. They had to have a plan to blow up the Death Star, right? And it cost several spies their lives. They had a plan. It wasn't an easy plan, but they did it. <laughs> All right, let me try this one since that was so popular. <laughs> when the Dark Lord needed to be defeated and Mount Doom needed to fall and all of Mordor needed to go away, there was this ring that they had to destroy. They had a plan. My nerd is showing. Five points from your house. <laughs> Even Harry Potter and his friends, they all, they all had a plan, right? I'm just being silly, but seriously. When there's, when there's something that seems overwhelming, when there's something that seems it's impossible, because some of you, when we're talking about forgiving somebody and living lives free of offense, this feels impossible to you. And I get that. Because you're going to push back, Aaron, you don't know what they've done, Aaron, you don't know how bad this hurts, Aaron, this has been this way for so long, Aaron, they're not saying sorry, they haven't asked for forgiveness, this is hard. I get it. And so while I'm being silly, these are insurmountable odds in these stories, and your story may feel that way too. You need a plan, you need some intentionality. And Paul gives us the first step of that plan in that verse. The first thing he says, let love abound. He says, in this I pray that your love may abound. So you, I want you to consider the heaviest offense you've ever experienced. That pain that is deep down with inside. I'm not asking you to relive it. I'm just saying consider it for a moment. There are some of you that that offense in your life, some of you have chosen to forgive it. 
Forgive that person. You're working on it. You've done so by the power of God, and you come this far, and it's changed you as a result. That work of forgiveness started with you receiving forgiveness, though, realizing that you had an unpayable debt, and as a result, you were going to forgive somebody of their unpayable debt. But the reason that you and I received forgiveness in the first place was because of God, who, by the way, is love. The reason why we were forgiven is found in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. His love abounds for us, and therefore he made a plan, and he acted on that plan, no matter how difficult it was, so that you and I could be forgiven. Love does the work. Love does the hard work. In fact, I would say love makes the hard work easy. It may still be scary, but love makes burdens lighter. Most certainly does. Love is willing to cancel debts. Love won't keep record. Love does that. Not just any kind of love, but God's kind of love, that agape love, that unconditional love. That's the kind of love that does that. Peter understood that. That's why he said, having received grace and received love directly from Jesus, because by the way, Peter most certainly offended Jesus whenever he, he denied him three times. I don't even know that guy. Right within earshot of Jesus. Because there's, there's a recording of that story in the gospel that says as soon as Peter denied him for the third time, Jesus looked right at him. It's likely he heard him. How would that feel? Somebody you've been walking with for the last three years, like living with, says, I don't know that dude. Peter said this, 1 Peter 4, 8, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. It's a passionate love. Have fervent love for one another, for love does what? It'll cover a multitude of sins. We must let the love we receive from God abound to others. And when we do, forgiveness and reconciliation becomes our path. Some of you, you're still holding on to your offenses, though. They're, they're your little precious, and you're stroking it. I've had this for so long. How will I get attention? Uh-oh. How will, how, will, how will I relate to people? Because I only know myself through this experience. I've had it for a long time. So much so that it's just become a part of me. And you hold on to that offense, you're unwilling to let it go, you're unwilling to surrender, and the reason is, is because we've not let God into that area of our lives yet. We may be asking God for vengeance, we may be asking God for flies to swarm their armpits, we may be... <laughs> yeah, talk about uncomfortable. But we're not willing to let it go, we're not willing to surrender. There's a story of a guy that you're probably familiar with. Maybe you've never considered it this way. But historically, it bears out true, Jonah. Jonah was the prophet that God called to the city of Nineveh. And many of you know this story because Jonah was the guy who, you know, ran from God. He was sent to go to this heathen city and to, to tell them to repent. And Jonah didn't want to go. And you know the story. He goes the opposite direction. 
and there's a storm that hits the boat. They figure out it's Jonah. He's the cause for the whole thing. Toss him over, and a whale swallows him. Three days later, Jonah's praying, and the, the, the whale spits him up on the land, and, and then Jonah goes and preaches. But what you don't know historically is that the reason Jonah didn't want to go is because he hated those people. See, there were three prophets who served King Jeroboam. Three. Jonah was one of them. Two out of the three wanted King Jeroboam to have mercy and grace on a people called the Assyrians. The Assyrians had acted terrible war crimes against the Jewish people. And Jonah sided with the king and said, no, they need to pay for what they've done. Now, war crimes are not just, hey, regular wars happen and warriors fall. War crimes are when you show up, you burn cities, you kill the innocent, you rape the women, you, you destroy children. Like, I'm talking like terrible, terrible stuff. And they did it in vulgar and violent ways. And Jonah felt like they needed to pay the price. And so did the king. And so when God says go to Nineveh, do you know what Nineveh is? It's the capital city of Assyria. And Jonah's politics are more important to him than his God's mission. Which is people, by the way. Sound familiar? Sound like a message for today? I feel like it is. And Jonah doesn't want to go. And then when Jonah does go, he preaches he preaches to the Ninevites and says, says, hey, doom's coming if you don't repent. And guess what they do? They repent. Do you know who gets so mad that he goes off and has like a little pity party for himself? Jonah. He gets mad. He goes, I knew you were going to do this. You can read the story. So it's only four or five chapters long. He said to God, I knew you were going to do this because you're faithful and because you're loving. <sighs> I knew you were going to forgive them. This is what you always do, God. You're just faithful and you forgive people. That's why he didn't want to go. He wanted them to suffer. And he was mad. And God responds to him because Jonah's out, he's out having a pity party, wishing he would die. You'll hear him say it here in a second. And he's going, he's mad because God caused this, caused this plant to grow and to like shade him in the middle of his pity party, because you know God's loving and he's still taking care of Jonah, his servant. Jo Jonah went and was obedient, but he, he went on the outside, but he was really often Tarshish on the inside. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like He was present, but he didn't want to be there. And God says to Jonah, in uh, Jonah 4, 9 through 11, he says, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, because the plant had just died, he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to the point of death, that's Jonah. And the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. In other words, Jonah, you got nothing invested in this plant and you're all mad and upset about this plant. What are you really upset about? And then God gives him some perspective. He said, should I not also have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people? Sadly enough, Right there, right there at that point with Jonah upset and holding on to offense is where his story ends. And I'm, I'm kind of saddened because I feel like it's possible that for some of you this is where your story ends too. That you're going to hold on to offense because you've got a right to. Because they've done bad things, Aaron, and you just don't know what they've done. Jonah ends angry and bitter, refusing to allow God's love to abound in his heart. For the Ninevites. And your story may end that way too. 
truth is today, you can do it. You can forgive. It will not be easy. You won't be able to do it alone. You're going to need God's power to do it. But God understood that, and I believe that's why God didn't ask you to do something he wasn't willing to do first. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. Thank God for that. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God went first. He reconciled us to himself by what he did through Jesus. And he didn't wait to see if any of us were going to show up at the table and, and reconcile with him and accept that gift. He didn't wait. He said, I'm going to go first and I'm going to do it. And by the way, if you'll show up, I'll make you ministers of this as well. I'll cause my love to abound in your life so that you can be an ambassador. That's what he says in the next verse, that God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Man, that makes me feel good. That I get to be a representation of him in every relationship that I walk into. And I look most like him when I choose to reconcile with people. <clears throat> he said, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So if you're here today and you haven't been reconciled to God yet, you have an opportunity at the end of today's service. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But if you have been reconciled, accept the assignment. Step into the role of being an ambassador for Christ. Be like him. Pursue reconciliation by letting God's love abound. And then the second step in your plan of living free from event offense is simply to pray for them. Pray for people. Say, hmm, what do you mean by that, Aaron? Let me, let me break it down. Matthew 5, 44. Jesus said, I'm going to say to you, love your enemies. Like, hang on a second. Let me check the translation on that and see what the other ones say. Because I'm sure he didn't mean to use that word enemies there. I'm sure he meant to say, love your family. Love your spouse. Love the people that are easy to love. Love the people that love you, right? No, he said, love your enemies. Huh. Bless those who curse you. Uh-oh, things are turning upside down. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, boy. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Yeah, Jesus just turned everything upside down. He said, nope. He's in an eye for eye, a tooth for a tooth kind of, kind of world where they pay each other back. And he's like, nah, I'm going to say something different. And everybody around him is no, immediately no. <laughs> not not going to happen. Love them. Do you know what they did? Nope, I don't. Bless them. Do good to them. Pray for them. See, I'll pray for them, all right? I'll pray like Elisha prayed. Bears, come on. See, Elisha was being made fun of because he was bald by some kids, and he called down some bears out of the forest that tore those kids up, taught them a lesson. It's kind of like a permanent lesson. feels a little fierce. But some of you are like, yeah, that sounds like the right prayer. <laughs> I, listen, I get it. I, I get why you would feel that way. Listen, m many of you know that, that in my past life that, that I was married for a year and got divorced after a year, that... that that, that the, re, the, the reason for that was, was very painful for me, that we, that we tried to reconcile, we tried to forgive, but that's just, that's not what the other party wanted. And, and when I showed up at the table to reconcile, 
that, that hurt even more. And I think while God's hand was on me, even though I felt far from him, all of that sucked, if I'm being honest. That whole process, the whole journey, the divorce, and even being separated and having kids through it all, and it was just, it was just not fun. And if I sit and I think about it and I ruminate on it today, it's still, those pains can resurface and they can, and they can still hurt. And it's easy for me to get angry about it all over again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. And for years, I carried that offense. For years, I was angry and I was bitter. I wouldn't bless them. I wouldn't do any good for them, let alone pray, because that was just too much for me, if I'm being honest. My prayers were much like the bear prayers. My, my prayers were for her demise. My prayer was for wrath and retribution. My prayer was, was, Lord, where can I hide a body? Can you give me wisdom and guidance and show me that? And I spent many nights, I'm not even kidding, I spent many nights laying, laying awake thinking about where I would do it and how I would do it and not get caught doing it. Some of you are like, this is a little creepy. And I'm just being honest, Mr. Judgy McJudgerson, if you're looking at me going, how dare you, pastor? Listen, man, I'm just a man, okay? Just a man. And I'm being honest about the thoughts that ran through my head when I was deeply wounded and deeply offended. And if you're being honest, you have thoughts like that too. You've had thoughts like that. Some point in, in my life, though, I, I was newly married to Shanda, and I was still carrying that offense, and I was carrying that offense against my first wife into my new marriage against her. And it became painful to the point I realized I needed to forgive. Otherwise, I was going to destroy this marriage because of what happened in the last one. Hello? That's not okay. But that's what the Bible says happens. So it took some work. It was kind of like, learning to exercise, right? I had to get into the rhythm. I had to do some work. I had to say I forgave and ask God to help me forgive long before I was ready to forgive. I had to ask God to forgive me for holding that offense for so long, to be completely and totally forgiven, to experience his grace so that I could give it to her, and then I had to pray for her. I remember at one point in time, I was, I was talking to one of my pastors, and I was like, how do I know that I've forgiven him? And I hated the response. You know the answer? It's when you can really pray blessings for them. And I don't mean bless, like God bless them. I mean like pray blessings for them the way you're praying for yourself to be blessed. My God, I pray for their, their health in every way. Pray for their marriage. Pray for their children. Give them wisdom. Give them guidance. Lord, may I pray that they know you deeper. I pray, God, that they discover the reason why they're here. I pray that they find freedom from addiction, freedom from the weight of the past, and that, Lord, you would use their lives to make a difference. Like, ah, praying through great teeth at times, God, do this for them. Even as I prepped this message, I realized it had been a while since I had prayed for her that way. And as I spent this week making sure that I lifted her up in prayer and prayed for her the way that I would pray for myself, the way I wanted God to move in my life. Today, it's easier to pray for her. It took time and practice, but I need you to understand it was a choice first. Feelings that supported it followed that choice. And I believe that you can do it too, and I think you can do it by God's power because it's worth the effort. Paul said this in Acts 24, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. If you want to live a life free of offense, being reconciled to God and each other, let love abound and pray for them. Third step in your plan is quite simple. And this one actually might be the hardest one. 
Because the other two are things you do alone between you and God. It's time to get involved with that person. Step three is to go to them. It's to go to them. With a heart full of love and prayers having gone up, go to that person who's offended you. Matthew 18 says this, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So have a private conversation. Hey, man, when you do that, it hurts me or it makes me feel. Gives you another step. He said, if he hears you, you gained your brother. But if he will not, take one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. In other words, so that your character is intact and that you demonstrate, I'm willing to be a person of reconciliation. And by the way, this is talking to people in the church. Go, go, and, go and tell them. Take somebody with you. They don't have to talk. They're, they're, ju- they're just there to witness that, that you're being a person of peace, that you are pursuing but if he will not hear, take, take one, sorry, um, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Now, that always felt awkward to me, like on a Sunday morning. Shanda, I'm going to need you to come on up here because I've been telling you about this thing you've been doing that's hurting my feelings, and now we're going to have to have a conversation in front of everybody. Feels awkward, doesn't it? Nobody wants to watch, and yet everyone will. Be like the new Amber Heard and Johnny Depp saga. It's just it's, it's, since that's over, we'll just give you ours. I'm kidding. That's not what that means. It means it, it's talking about the elders of the church, right? And we have a process here where we would do that. But if they even refuse to listen to the church, he says, let them be like a heathen or a tax collector. A heathen or a tax collector doesn't mean that you treat them bad. It means that you put some boundaries in place. That that if they if they're going to continue to offend you, if they're not going to reconcile with you, you put some boundaries in place. And you keep them in a place in a space where they don't get to continue to treat you poorly. Uh, and the fellowship just doesn't look like it used to. Some boundaries. If they're unwilling to be reconciled, to cease their offensive behavior, don't cut them out. That, that's not the point. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I don't believe that God uh, has intended for us to cut people out. I think that what God desires most is not the casting out of the unrepentant member, but loving chastisement for the sake of of bringing them back to God. What that means is that there's pain that your boundary produces because they no longer get to experience the benefits, the full benefits of a relationship with you. Does that make sense? We put it in boundaries. So go to them, have the conversation, share the hurt. When you did this, it makes me feel this. Seek reconciliation, have an already forgiving them. So I'm not looking for anything from you. I just want you to know that you hurt me and I'm asking you to stop. Your debt's already been canceled. I love you. I just want peace between us. But this isn't just the pathway if you're the one who's offended. This is also the pathway if you are the offender. If you're the one who's offended someone. Now, don't act, act all innocent here like you've never offended anybody, okay? Because I'm sure you have, and I'm sure I've offended some of you today. I'm talking about Harry Potter and Star Wars, or maybe it was the order that I talked, to him, talked about him in. Like, you thought one was more important than the other. Don't amen that. Amen that. <laughs> <laughs> but but not just I'm not just talking about offending God. I mean we talk we, we offend each other. And so the fact is that God cares so much about us and about our relationships here that, that He told us to go. Whether we are the ones offended or we are the offender. Jesus said this in Matthew 5. He said, You've heard it said that to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. By the way, Raka means empty-headed. 
That's a slang term for empty-headed. It's basically the modern-day way of them calling, well, modern-day, their modern-day way of calling people an idiot. It was a heavy insult of the day. Uh, it would be like, like calling them a cotton-headed ninny muggins. Sure. <laughs> but whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, watch this, if you bring your gift to the altar, so if you're coming to church, and you're ready to worship, you're ready to give of your offering, you're ready to serve people. He says, instead of doing that, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, first, be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What Jesus needs us to understand in this moment is that obedience is better than sacrifice right now. That we are called to go and reconcile, even if we are the ones who are the offender. Even if we didn't actually do what they think we did. Isn't that interesting? Because how many times do people hold offense towards us because what they thought we meant when we said something or did something, right? And the Bible says if you know somebody's upset with you because of your actions, go to them. Go to them and find out what's going on. Go to them and apologize. I did this at one point in time. This was a few years back. There are some people that... that I mean, they just, their, their behavior towards me just shifted. It, the relationship went cold, and it really was not one of those relationships I expected to go cold. I was very confused by it, and it hurt me, and I was holding on to offense, and I felt it, and I knew better than to hold on to this offense as a, as, as, as a Christ follower, as a pastor. Like, I knew better. I was like, no, I'm not going to slip back into this. I said, Lord, I need to deal with this, but what do I do? And he said, go to them. Go have communion with them. And I was like, oh, this is not anything I want to do. So I went and bought bread, bottle of grape juice. I made like five other stops before I went to their house unannounced, by the way, because I was trying to not like let them be home. And I didn't really want to do it. But I had to assume that I had done something wrong. Otherwise, why would they treat me that way? And so I showed up at their door and one of them answered the door and I said, what's going on? Like kind of through the crack of the door. I was right. Something was amiss. I was like, I'm here to do communion. And they were like, all right. So we went into the table, and I said, listen, there needs to be peace between us, and I don't know what I've done. I'm just here to, to apologize. I'm just here to say, please forgive me. I, please tell me what I've done that's caused this behavior because it's very confusing to me. And we took communion together and prayed together and threw tears on both sides of the table. He said, you know, actually, you haven't done anything wrong. We just kind of got afraid in this situation when this happened, and it's a misunderstanding. And we're really sorry for the way we've been treating you. I went because they were offended, but me showing up, they're like, actually, you've not really done anything, and we realize right now this is a moment we need to repent to you. And while the relationship never really went back to what it was prior to, there was peace. Peace was established that day. Reconciliation happened, a canceling of the debts on both sides. You know, reconciliation does not always equal relational restoration. It just doesn't. So you can do the work. You can let God's love abound. You can pray for him. You can go to him. But that doesn't mean they're going to respond the way that you want them to respond. It doesn't mean that they're going to be in the same place you are. But this is where... We have to be obedient and trust. I've done my part. I've done everything I can to make sure 
that we live in peace, that I have pursued forgiveness, being forgiven and giving forgiveness, and reconciliation. That's why Paul said this in Romans 12, 18. He said, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We have a call, my friends, to be ambassadors of reconciliation. It starts with letting God's love abound in our lives. Praying for them and then stepping out into that space. I'm sorry I've offended you. Or when you do this, you've offended me. Can we have peace? I'm not asking you to make it up to me. I'm not asking you to pay a debt. I'm just looking for peace. And to do this, it's going to take some work. We're going to have to make a choice. Will you make that choice? Let's pray. Father, today I know that this is, uh, this is a tender subject. There's many hurts that are represented in this room. Some, some are violent, brutal, whether that was physically, emotionally, sexually, <laughs> mentally, all the ways. Maybe even from a spiritual leader we were abused. That offense, it sits here. We're constantly aware of it. It's it's a sore spot in our lives. It causes us to walk our lives differently. It causes us to interact with others. It causes us anxiety when we walk into certain spaces and places or when we hear certain sounds or when we, when, when we feel certain things or when we see certain things. It's impacted us. I know how personal and deep this is. But God, I know how great the rejoicing is on the other side of freedom from offense. My life changed completely when I chose to trust you this way. And so God, I'm asking for your grace today for every single one of us, those in this room, those listening through the podcast or even watching today in our online campus. I'm praying for your grace to trust you more, to trust you to, to, uh, to escape the trap of offense to be aware of the bait of Satan and what he's trying to do in our lives and to make the choice to forgive and to be ambassadors of reconciliation. Lord, help us. Help us to let your love abound. Show us the ways and the areas of our lives that we've not allowed your love to flow into yet. Teach us to pray for those who are against us. Teach us to pray for those who have hurt us. And Lord, when it's time to go, I pray that you would lead us and guide us on that journey. <laughs> that you would tell us what we need to do, when we do it, and how to do it. The important part is that we obey and we go and trust you with the outcome. Well, that's my prayer today. May we be Christians who are unoffendable. Now, there's a last prayer in this room. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I told you I'd give you an opportunity to be reconciled to God today, to have the balance of your life, the, the, the sins of your life, the mistakes canceled. God will give you a do-over. He'll give you a new start. It's the best part of his day, actually. His mercies are new every morning. You cannot exhaust his grace. There's nothing you've done that can keep you out of relationship with him. There's nothing you've done that has made him angry with you. He loves you, and his love is passionately pursuing you in this moment. He's not gonna make you pay for your sins. It's already been done and what Jesus did on the cross. 
He wants you to enjoy the blessing of a relationship with him. And if you're ready to do that, to experience the full and fulfilled life here, a brand new start, an eternity in heaven, and his spirit who will fill you and show you how to live and love and serve him. If you're ready for that, I'm gonna pray a prayer. If you wanna be counted on that prayer, would you just slip your hand up? Slip it up now. Nobody's, no, nobody's gonna make fun of you. We're, we're, this is a celebration moment. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the room. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Everybody, all of the church today, can we pray together? Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. And today, as you forgive me, help me to forgive others completely and totally and unconditionally. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, all of heaven has a party for you. Come on, church. Can we celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today? So very, very proud of you. If you took that step today, we would love to know that. We would love to partner with you because that's a spiritual journey you're beginning. Maybe you've been on it before and you're just now rejoining it. We would love to help you understand your next steps. We would love to make sure you know how to be part of what we're doing here as a church, what God has in store for you. Fill out that Connect card. Mark the spot on there that says, I said yes to Jesus. We promise we won't harass you. We just want to welcome you to this family and, uh, and get you moving on your spiritual journey. Amen, everybody? All right, well, as we wrap up the service today, I want to let you know there is a give box in the back of the room. If you are prepared to give today and the Lord is speaking to you or you're uh, prepared to tithe, all the other ways to do that here are the digital things that are on the screen. You can text it, use our app, you can go online. Uh, but thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving uh, and continuing to do so. We just uh, uh, are so appreciate that. Uh, reminders of a couple things, and I'm going to pray and we'll dismiss. Uh, grow groups are out here right around the, right around the, the uh, curtain here on the other side. Make sure you stop and talk to somebody. Get in a group. Ask questions about the groups. Uh, Grow Groups leaders, make sure that you are there. First Wednesday is this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, 7 to 8 p.m., just one hour. Give us a time. I promise you, you will not regret that. Sign up to serve for the 4th of July. Pastor Dave will be at the LifeWise desk. Stop by and fill out the the petition. Please petition, right? Yeah, fill out the petition or use the little QR code and boop it, but make sure you do it. Today. Everybody say today. Today. Today's the day to do that. We don't want to forget about it. So make sure you stop by and get information. Amen, everybody. Here we go. Lord, we thank you so much for what you're doing in us. I thank you for this series and where what you've taught us. My prayer now, God, is my prayer is, and my celebration actually is, thanks for an opportunity to give back to you, Lord. You've done so much for us. You've blessed us in every way in Christ Jesus, and then even beyond that, Lord financially, relationally, emotionally, physically. God, you are so, so very good to us. And it is with joyful hearts that we return to you what is yours and give it above and beyond that. Now, God, bless us as we go. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next week.